We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Your phone call is welcome at 869-1330. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. <laughs> Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk, sponsored by Wink Hartman and the Hartman Group of Companies. Don't forget, if you ever miss an episode, you can always visit knssradio.com. You'll find a link to podcasts of all our previous episodes there. And make sure you like and share the John Whitmer Show on Facebook and, of course, Follow me on Twitter, at John R. Whitmer. That's the best way to stay informed on all the latest show updates. A little Bon Jovi bad medicine, I, I, I guess. That's an appropriate intro. Uh, Dave, I, I guess, depending on your point of view, uh, for a, a child vaccine story, that, that's a, a decent one. So the FDA has now authorized the emergency use of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for children ages 5 through 11. But, you know, many are asking, is it safe? Some parents are eagerly awaiting the rollout. Others remain hesitant, worried about serious side effects and the possibility of long-term impacts. Joining us now to answer some of those questions is Dr. Salvatore Giorgiani. He is Senior Science Advisor to to the Men's Health Network, and a past chair of the American Public Health Association and former Alumni Association board member of Columbia University School of Public Health. Doctor, thank you for joining us this evening. It's nice to have you on the show. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, Dr. Sal, let me start with this question. And just so that you know, I don't have children, but 5 to 12, but I do have grandchildren in that age group. So it's a, it's a personal uh, question for us. And uh, let me start with this. Um, y- you know, there, there are parents, I'm sure, and grandparents that are hesitant that look at this and say, you know, five years old, it's, a, it's awfully young. Are you aware of any healthy children? Obviously, you know, with, with children with underlying conditions have, have died from COVID, but are you aware of any healthy children without serious underlying medical conditions in the U.S.? who have died of COVID. So, I mean, is it necessary? Are there, are there children that are healthy who've died from COVID? Well, I'm not aware of any children who are otherwise healthy, although there, there have been less than 100 
true deaths associated truly with COVID. Um, I don't know if all of them have had comorbidities. I believe most of them have, but I don't, I haven't reviewed all of the deaths. It's not something I've taken a look at. But what I can tell you is that 8,000 children in the U.S. have been hospitalized because of COVID. And in trying to do the calculus of the very important and very emotional issue, I have five kids and 10 grandchildren, uh, nine of whom were eligible for this vaccine. Uh, but 8,000 children have been hospitalized with severe enough infection to warrant that move. And, you know, what does that do to a child to be in a hospital, uh, have that kind of a situation that they have to carry with them for the rest of their lives, uh, and the chance that it could become, uh, you know, more than a hospitalization, but a severe hospitalization. So uh, is, it, is the vaccine safe? Uh, is it effective? And I think what strikes me about the process that's been gone through and the review of the vaccine by the outside experts at the advisory committee that advises the CDC and, and FDA is that the vote for uh, emergency use authorization for the vaccine in people 16 to uh, 12 to 16, and now just a couple of days ago, 5 to 11, uh, has been unanimous. Now, unanimity in these panels happens, but very rarely. Rarely you get 17 individuals who are uh, not government-affiliated, but they're usually university-affiliate, representatives of professional associations, all who unanimously agree that these vaccines are warranted, safe, and effective. So if you've got, then... Uh, you know, the risk of, of healthy children dying of COVID is, I mean, essentially well, zero or infinitesimally rare. Isn't it yes. then understandable that, that there are many parents who are appropriately asking why vaccinate healthy children at all? I mean, if, if the risk is so low, it, it, if I'm a parent, why should I vaccinate my child? Well, for the same reason we vaccinate against polio. You don't see a lot of people with polio, and anybody who remembers the 1950s has seen pictures of children lined up in iron lungs. Uh, you know, that's that's one of the reasons that we started that campaign, and now polio has all but been eradicated. Uh, what We vaccinate against measles, mumps, rubella. We rarely see these uh, conditions in children. So really, it's, the vaccination process now is the first step in managing what Everybody uh, who studies this type of virus, epidemiologists, folks like myself who follows from the medical sciences perspective, we all believe that the, the uh, SARS virus, the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus, however you want to look at it, is going to be endemic. And that means, John, it's going to be with us for a very, very long time. And we have to have a beginning to getting uh, vaccination and immunization standards up so that we can keep it suppressed, so that it doesn't devolve into a new variant in, a, in any population. You know, people don't realize that when you get the seasonal flu vaccine now, and I urge everybody to do that too, it has a little bit of the components from the pandemic flu of 1918-1919 right. in there, because we want to keep that virus suppressed 
to the point where it's not a clinical problem anymore. So this is just the first step. Uh, I do believe that we're going to need uh, some periodic uh, vaccinations that will include the COVID-19 virus strain in it for some time to come. It won't be the, the magnitude of the problem we have now, but we have to start somewhere. But what about, I mean, I, I grant, you know, you're talking about polio and these other diseases, but those vaccines have been around for decades. They've, they've been researched. Yeah. The vaccines have had extensive clinical research done. I mean, the, the COVID-19 vaccine is, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's still in the experimental stage. It, it's, I mean, I guess we don't know the long-term effects of this. You're asking parents to vaccinate five-year-olds, but there's no idea how this may affect a child's development with a vaccine that really hasn't gone through long-term testing. I guess that's my concern here is you're taking a roll of the dice on a child. It it is a very valid concern and it's an emotionally difficult issue. And believe me, my, of my five children, three of them are getting their kids vaccinated and two of them say, we're going to wait a little while. They haven't said no, uh, but they, they do want to wait a little while. You know, I, I think that's a reasonable precaution, but how long do you wait? Now, the first, there's a couple of things to know about the vaccine in the 5 to 11-year-old groups. It's one-third the vaccine strength that we see being used in adults, and then the 11 to 16-year-olds as a 30-microgram dose is a 10-microgram dose for the children uh, that are 5 to 11. Uh, the data was collected in... 3,000 individuals for the trials for the young kids, uh, 50, about 1,500 of them got the vaccine, about 1,500 of them got placebo, which means just salt water uh, injections. Uh, the incidence of side effects in these very young children was about 2% of them had some sort of side effect, which was fever, temperature, pain, uh, uh, pain at the injection site some sort of malaise, uh, and very importantly now, John, 1% of the kids, young kids who got the salt vaccine, the placebo, had those same sort of side effects. When you look at long-term, that is a, a good point to bring up. We do not have long-term data in this patient cohort, but we do have long-term data in the adult population. Uh, these studies were begun sometime around um, April of 2020. So the uh, companies have been keeping ongoing records of the patients included in those trials. So we do have about a year and a half worth of data on those individuals. And that is very strong data. What we're seeing very early on in the clinical trials, at least in the adults, is what we're seeing to date. So the, the data is solid and it's rep- reproducible. And it's consistent across all of the vaccines uh, and over this one and a half year. So, yeah, the vaccine hasn't been given for many, many years, but data has been collected on about 300 million doses in the United States and something near 3.6 billion with a B uh, around the world. And now the Pfizer vaccine is, by the way, of the ones available in the United States, that is a fully approved vaccine just like the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, the the pneumonia vaccine, uh, which people also should consider, uh, just like the flu vaccine is a fully approved vaccine 
And that's the one that's being given this emergency use authorization in the children that eventually will go to full approval. Do you think uh, we'll ever see a point where schools, uh, governments will start mandating that for kids? Do you think we'll get to that stage or do you think, you think they'll allow this to a parental decision? Because I really think that's that's going to be the tipping point. If they start requiring it, I think that's when you're going to get real pushback from from the populace. Well, I try to avoid political commentary in my science discussion. Probably smart. Although these days, <laughs> politics and science are so intertwined, and my perspective is science has never done uh, fared well when it becomes politically overcharged. But I do think we do have precedent set, John, for requiring vaccinations for entries into school uh, and uh, colleges, so uh, elementary and high school, middle and high school. They require a certain constellation of vaccines, uh, the ones that have been around since I had long brown curly hair, and even before that. Uh, which is a while. I've been doing this almost 45 years. Uh, we do have uh, precedent there. Uh, they have the right as school districts to require appropriate vaccinations. I would hope, given the emotionally charged situation we're in now with COVID, which is very different than the situation we had in the run of the mill, let's say vaccines, that school boards will recognize the concern that many individuals have and that they will provide alternatives for the children, as I believe workplaces should provide appropriate alternatives to vaccination. Uh, One of those could be uh, virtual classrooms until this pandemic is well under control and the individuals are sitting on the fence and very cautious, you know, have a little more time to digest what's in their sons and daughters' best interests. I do think it's a parent's responsibility to decide uh, to a great extent what happens to their children. So as long as the school districts provide adequate second approaches, whether it's constant testing and masks, whether it's homeschooling, uh, either virtually or uh, traditional uh, parental guided homeschooling or home tutor schooling, I think we have to provide alternatives because it's become such an emotionally charged issue. That would be the compassionate Thing to do. Well, Dr. Sal, I, I appreciate your insights on this. Uh, it's been fascinating. Uh, thank you again for joining us this evening. If folks want to connect with your organization, they can find you on the web at menshealthnetwork.org, correct? That's right, www.menshealthnetwork.org for the Men's Health Network. Dr. Sal, thank you again for joining us this evening. Carry on the fight, my friend. Thank you very much for having me on. Anytime I can be a help to you and your listeners, I'd be happy to be back. We'll be taking your calls at 745, but coming up after the break, Speaker of the House Ron Reichman will join us to talk about this week's legislative special session. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.